Hey, what's up, guys? This is Brad. This is Miles. And welcome to the house. All right, Brad, we are back in the studio. It seems like it's been a while since we've been here. We are back in action, Action Jackson. I'm excited to uh, come and do this live show. Well, we are not doing a live show. Excuse me. I'm excited to do this show. <laughs> right. You see, I'm still stuck on I mean, last we're, Monday. we're technically live right now. But, I think yeah. we're, we had so many shots last Monday, they carried over to this episode. <laughs> uh, first, I want to thank everyone who came out. Yeah, that was a really fun time. Overwhelming support. Uh, really fun to sit there and talk sports with you. Great reaction from the crowds. Yeah, uh, great sick. questions the from questions the crowds. The questions were really really good and one that I in particular that I was really excited about was that I didn't even think about before the live show was did, did uh, Arizona get put in a tough quadrant of the bracket due to the FBI investigation now I'm thinking about it yeah because you look at it even the number one seed in that that bracket got that torn apart yeah we really didn't we saw things we didn't expect yeah. uh, from that side of the bracket but it really did fit that narrative yeah it did all right, well, uh, you want to get back into the swing of things here? Yeah, what's our mailbag? Yeah, let's go week? ahead and reach into the mailbag. Uh, this is from Sam, who asks a great question. Who will be more legendary in their respective leagues when it's all said and done? Nick Saban or Bill Belichick? This is kind of interesting to me because I, I was torn, Miles, because I am a Bama fan. And at first, I'm going to tell you, I went against the grain and I picked Bill Belichick. But then I thought about it. Bill Belichick has Tom Brady. Uh, five Super Bowl wins. Nick Saban, six national championships, never once with that one four-year great quarterback. I'm going to give my edge to Nick Saban. And, and, and I'm not saying that this is an easy decision because we're definitely comparing apples to oranges. Yeah. I just have to give my edge to Nick Saban because of the fact that he has Tom Brady. I'm giving my edge to Bill Belichick. Same argument here. I mean, Saban has a flurry of five and four star recruits that he has every year now does he yeah. have to take these 18 year old kids and turn them into you know the players on the field absolutely he does but for me also the nfl always has 32 teams yeah right all in a professional league all have a fair chance all have a fair chance to win the super bowl whereas you have the sec whereas there are at least six or seven teams every year that have no chance of even sniffing yeah a bowl game uh, that's not fair, but not sniffing like a national championship. So for the parity in the NFL and for what Belichick has done, that's what I'm going with. Now, it's the chicken or the egg, right? Did Belichick make Brady or did Brady make Belichick? Yeah. I think it's a little bit of both. Just like I think that uh, Saban works with his recruits back and forth to, yes. build, to build them as men, and, and, he, and, and they fit into his system. So yes. it's, you know, it's, all, it's always a two-way street. Um, okay, so I'm going to ask you this quick question, and then I, want, I have one more point to cover in this question. Um, do you think... Tom Brady's a system quarterback. No. I, I, I don't think he's a system quarterback. I think he works well in the system that he's in now, that the one that he's been in his entire career. But you take him out of that system and, and He'll excel that kid is right? going to be able to learn it in – give him three days to learn a new system. Okay, I definitely. Care. I saw that somewhere and I wanted to ask you. So yeah. if I have to get technical, Belichick, I think once he loses Brady, might have a couple years to adjust to win, it, win another title because his – both his quarterbacks are ready to sign up for their ARP cards because we got, what, Cassell and, uh, I mean, Castle and freaking Brady. You know, I, I found something kind of funny, right? Nick Saban won his sixth national championship at age 66, which tied him with the greatest football, greatest college football coach of all time, Paul Bear Bryant. I agree with that. Who won his sixth national championship at age 66. Is this, but you know what happened after that? Paul Bear Bryant didn't win another championship until he died. Is this thing going to happen to Saban? No. And then again, Saban's not eating those freaking potato chips and pops all day like like, like Bear Bryant was. <laughs> and he runs his uh, he runs a tight ship. Yeah. Uh, 
I, I think your argument about Belichick having Brady is interesting. So let me just counter that. Okay. Would Saban be able to do? Would he be able to win championships with three-star recruits? No. If if he's if he's not getting like you know the these five-star offensive linemen and defensive linemen. I think it's not really the defense. I think Saban is he's one of the best defensive minds I've, I've ever had an opportunity to actually pay attention to and study. Um, the offense is not a strong point, and if he didn't have um, a stud like uh, Derrick Henry or he picked up a five-star blue chip like freaking Tua, mm-hmm. uh, Mark Ingram. You look at all these five-star running backs and, and linemen, Lester Cotton, I mean, Ryan Kelly. These are just names I'm just shouting out that are all going to be great pros. I don't think that he would do that without them. Now, the defensive players are defensive players because you even think of some of the rags to riches stories um, of players coming out that – are like Levi Wallace, who was a walk-on. He wasn't even any stars, and now he's about to be in the second round of the draft. So I know he can build the defense. Um, like you think we have a player next year who probably will be drafted in the first two rounds, um, who was a wide receiver coming in. Now he's gonna be a DB. So I think in defense, but not offense, it'd be tough. And Saban is uh, the best at making in-game adjustments that I've ever seen. He yeah. can find a weakness or or find uh, a matchup on his defense that he's not exploiting. And then completely uh, shut down an offense for for uh, games at a time. So very impressive. Interesting that when we break this down, you you really start comparing the two. Even though we're comparing Tom Brady and five star recruits, it's yeah. really the, like the same it's thing. The same it's thing, really yeah. interesting. Um, so I mean, obviously we're, we're talking about two legends here. Um, so that was a great question. Yeah, great question. Uh, thanks, Sam. So what's the next one? All right, this comes to us from Jeremy. Uh, I love talking about this subject. This is tough. Has there ever been a more scrutinized athlete in any sport than LeBron James? You know, initially, what's kind of funny, and it's funny how you, you hear a question out loud. When I read it to myself, I said, no, I don't think so. But now, like, this is literally just popping into my brain right now. And all I think about is the guy who was told to sit down, shut up, and just get in the ring. I'm talking about Muhammad Ali. I think Muhammad Ali was way more outspoken and way more hated. He changed his freaking name, for Christ's sakes. He was way more scrutinized than LeBron James. Because LeBron James, I don't think I've heard it yet. He never once came out and said he's the GOAT. But Muhammad Ali said he is the greatest ever. And he was scrutinized every day for it. I am impressed. I, I, can't, I cannot disagree with that. I mean, that is a great point, uh, uh, great, great athlete to bring up. Absolutely, and and, he, and he's even scrutinized today. Yeah, that's um, crazy. That just popped in my head, which, like literally yeah, right now. Yeah, which which people don't think about. Um, so okay, so I was also trying to refute it, right? Because yeah. when I first read it, I'm like, absolutely, we've never seen anybody more scrutinized. Yeah. Um, for me, the only thing that comes close, just growing up a, bit, a big baseball fan, is all of these uh, home run hitters who right, uh, juiced up, who juiced up, were taking yeah. steroids. Mark McGuire, Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds yeah. I mean, Barry Bonds would be up there for me really as one of the most scrutinized there. athletes yeah. that we've ever seen. Yeah. And you know, uh, with all the attention that he got even during Alex his career. Rodriguez. Yeah, Holy yeah, God. even 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 Alex Rodriguez. So, um, definitely some different angles that you can look at this from. Now, LeBron is dealing with it in the social media era. Yes. Era, which which, sucks. which almost gives him the argument that yeah. There is, I mean, technically, yeah. there is nobody more scrutinized because of the amount of scrutiny that he's gotten on social media. I know I've heard uh, LeBron, not LeBron James, Michael Jordan say, I am glad I didn't live in the social, yeah. I, didn't, I wasn't young in the social media area. Right. And he's active on social yeah. media as well. Um, you know, he he's not afraid to, to speak out either. Yeah. Uh, he's he's not afraid to defend himself. You know, I, I've always been a huge LeBron James fan. Yes, I love LeBron. Yeah. Um, but, 
great question uh, to bring up here, but you know, you you really could go yes or no. I'm gonna go with uh, no that there has not been just because of the era that we're living. Yeah, in. if we're talking about the modern era, the only player who even comes to mind who's close and it's not even close in my mind is Tiger Woods. Oh yeah, and LeBron takes mm -hmm. the cake over. Yeah, there. And, and and Tiger's up there too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you, I got you, LeBron. You, you put Tiger light up years up there. So uh, great question. Great great question. God dang, I can't talk today. Thank you, Jeremy. All right, uh, let's go ahead and talk some football. Cool. So. I broke mine down, so we're going to talk about the uh, winners of free agency. I did a team, and I did a player. Uh, a, a team who got the best player for the best deal. Okay, let's go ahead and start with you. Okay, so first I did the team that is winning free agency. And this might come to a surprise to some people, but it's not a surprise to me. It is the Tennessee Titans. Why? They shipped out DeMarco. DeMarco dealt with a hamstring injury all, all too, too much. Derrick Henry proved that this could be his team. Give him a, a third down back. Well, they do. They added Deion Lewis for a favorable salary. They re-signed Daquan Jones, and you know they were struggling a little bit on the in the secondary. They had a great D line, and so what did they do? Bring in the you can call this guy a Super Bowl champion all by himself because he won the game for them one game, Malcolm Butler. Definitely a good free agency for Tennessee. Uh, I still want to see more out of Mariota, but yeah, definitely across the board, uh, they were very improved. I'll go ahead and do a, a team because I, I also did a team and a player. I really like what the Los Angeles Rams did. Yes, my God. Specifically for value. Like, based on what they had to give up to get, in my opinion, I mean, two of the most talented cornerbacks in the league. Two pro bowlers. Yeah. Okay, so these are their combined stats that they're bringing over uh, yeah. from last year. Uh, this is Marcus Peters and Aqib Tlaib combined for 65 tackles, six picks, and five forced fumbles. That's what they're adding. Sick. Sick. I mean, this is already a scary good Rams team. Sick. And now they're tightening up on their secondary? Yeah. And, and uh, I mean, they got rid of Robert Quinn. Who cares? Because someone or a little birdie told me that Dominican Sue might plan a trip for Los Angeles. Wouldn't surprise me. I mean, what a great uh, city for, yeah. for Sue. Pair him know? with Aaron Donald. Let mm -hmm. him take a small pay cut. He's cool with that to go win championships. Mm -hmm. LA's going to be a scary team. Yes, they are. For years to come. They messed around and gave them. And, and you think about the caliber of players they got to get rid of a Tremaine Johnson. Who cares? Like who? Trade who? Trade who? Because Tremaine Johnson's asking for fifteen and a half million. These they're paying these guys combined that much money. Yeah. Who is your your player? So my player, just because I'm a huge fan, uh, Kirk Cousins. Man, I mean yeah. that that to me was just a perfect situation. Approve it. He proved uh, not approve. I used the wrong term. A believe in yourself. Yeah. Two years on the the tag. And then what he, he knew that he was good enough to put up the numbers where he would get the first ever quarterback with a fully guaranteed contract. Yeah. Um, so I did a team who got the best player in my my eyes, and I did the Packers. And no, I'm not going Jimmy Graham. I'm going Muhammad Wilkerson on a prove-it deal. Muhammad Wilkerson, if if this were free agency last year, so we took the, the cap size and it was last year, Muhammad Wilkerson would be a $17 million per year player. They got him on a one-year prove it deal for five million up to eight million so they are saving 12 million dollars on this guy the free agency markets not only in, in the nfl but in major league baseball are dramatically changing yes we are seeing a revolution in the landscape where teams it's not collusion yeah because they haven't uh you know talked about it with each other but they're not giving up these big contracts anymore yeah and you know what i'm a fan of it i think it's great i think it's awesome because Stop paying these guys and then sacrificing your entire organization. Entire organization. You look, um, there's a stat out there, and I'm, it's, uh, I don't have the exact numbers, but it's statistically the teams that spend the most in free agency 
typically do the worst. And you and one of my great examples was uh, two years ago with the New York Giants when they just went ham mm -hmm. and got Oliver. Uh, I mean, got uh, Vernon. Um, and they they just went out there, dropped racks, even dropped racks on P, uh, JPP, and they finished terrible. Uh, the Browns the same thing when they signed Oswaller. They were they signed Jamie Collins, and they were terrible. You look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They went out there and, and bought all these pieces. Terrible. You look at the teams who get favorable contracts with role-playing guys, they pay the guys they need to pay, and they move on and worry about their business. Analytics is changing everything. Yeah. And, you know, I, I just keep coming back to baseball. With the Dodgers, they have a $200 million payroll every single year. How many World Series have they had in the last 20 years? Zero. Yeah. How many World Series, you know, have the Florida Marlins had in the last 25 years? Two. Yeah. And, and, and it's Moneyball. It's – so it – Things are definitely changing. And, yeah. and, and it's like you said, don't give up a $100 million contract yeah. and put your entire franchise in danger with for one player. It makes no sense. And, I mean, you look at some of the top players in the world, uh, Drew Brees. You know what he said when he, he signed that contract, that little baby puny contract for Drew Brees? He said, I could have taken money elsewhere, but I would rather save money here and build with the team we got. Yeah, he wants to win another Super Bowl. Yeah, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. All right, well, uh, you know what I'm really excited about? We're coming up on the draft. Eventually, we're going to do our 2.0. Uh, 2.0, the week before drafts. the draft, which would be yeah. great. That should be really fun. It's changed so much. But it's still March. And you know what that means. March Madness. We got a little madness in us. How about that <laughs> tournament this past weekend? Oh, how about my bracket? Oh, yeah. oh my God. You and everybody else. Oh, but I did have Loyola, uh, Chicago, Loyal Chicago going to the uh, Sweet 16, which was really cool. I had Nevada going to the Sweet 16, which no one believed would happen. Um, did not have Florida State, didn't have Tam U. I had Gonzaga, had Kansas, had Villanova, had Duke, had Purdue. Now everyone else didn't have them. Can I ask you? Yes. After seeing the results, I'm not saying that the tournament is the end-all be-all, just like bowl games aren't the end-all be-all. Yeah. But has your opinion of the Big East changed? No. All right. It has not. Fair enough. <laughs> and I mean, for me, the Xavier loss to Florida State was what really got me. That wasn't that wasn't a a big thing to me because, like I told you, time and time again, it, Florida State is not a better team, and they will. I still think they'll beat Xavier six out of ten times because they match up way better than Xavier. They have better big men. They're more athletic. I don't think they're like now if they were to play. Let's say I'll take them and put them up against like a Cincinnati. I think Florida State would got whooped, mm -hmm. and I think if Cincinnati and Xavier play, Xavier wins that game. It's all about who you play when you play them. Yeah, matchups are definitely important, and we definitely saw that. Uh, but let's go ahead and start with, with the game that you have in your Sweet 16. We have the seventh seed Nevada, number 11 Loyola Chicago, everyone's favorite Cinderella. Nevada is favored by one and a half. I think this is. I have. I got two. Uh, Two Sweet 16 16 games, right? It was this one and the Villanova West Virginia. So I'm excited about this. I am gonna go ahead and say it. I am a huge Martin Twins fan. I've been it since day one. And hadn't I watched so much Nevada basketball and stayed up way too late? I wouldn't even had Nevada this far. But I am a believer in those two guys because they can ball. Me too. Cody Martin's averaging 20 points, 6.5 assists, five rebounds in the tournament. Most importantly, it's the way they're finishing. Nevada is outscoring their opponents by 27 points yes. in the second half and overtime. So, number one, you can never count them out. Number two, if they can just get off to a decent start. Yeah. Five, six-point lead. Uh, now, we know that Loyola plays really good defense. They're they only allowing. Down. Yes, so they slow it down. Holy they slow down the pace. 
They're only allowing 62 points per game um, in this tournament. Here's, Who are you going with? Well, okay, so here's here's where where it gets tricky. Both of these teams have excellent against the spread numbers. Yes. Nevada, 12-3-1 against the spread their yes. last 16 games in March. Loyola, 15-3 against the spread in their last 18 games against teams with winning records. So at this point, with the one-half-point spread, it's a pick em. You know what's crazy, too? I mean, you're looking at 15-3, and three and then I saw even stat that's not even worse at 20 games at 16-4. and four. It, They yeah. split it. I mean, these mm-hmm. are great teams. Sister Jean is beautiful, and she jinxed them. If Sister Jean would have had them go to the <laughs> final four story. Um, in her bracket that she made, they mm-hmm. would go to the final four, but she had them losing in the Sweet 16. And they will. Uh, I've got Nevada covering uh, the, the, the one-and-a-half-point spread and uh, the Cinderella ends. Yeah, the Cinderella ends, but you know what's funny? The Cinderella is going to continue for someone. Um, the Nevada needs to get Jordan Caroline going early. Um, it's funny. I love how the, the Martin brothers, Cody and Caleb, feed off each other because, in my opinion, I think Caleb's the better of the two. But when Caleb struggles, you see Cody pick up the slack. Like in the um, Cincinnati game, Caleb got early foul trouble. Cody finished with 25 points. Um, in the Texas game, when they really needed Caleb Martin down the stretch, and he didn't have that many points, he scored like eight points in a row. He hit those threes in yeah, overtime. And yeah. God, it was. it's great to see how they feed off each other. Yeah, definitely. All right, so, so you have Nevada as well. Um, let's go ahead and move on to the next one. We have number three seeded Michigan and number seven seeded Texas A&M from the SEC. I want to hear you at first. Okay, Michigan, uh, three-point favorites. And I'm going to tell you something right now. Michigan is playing shitty basketball. <laughs> yes, they are. Now, they have won 11 straight games. There's no denying that. All right, but I just got to get this out. They're only shooting 65% from the free throw line. Yes. And in the, in, in the tournament, Nonetheless, that scares the hell out of me. Also, back in our podcast uh, in the in the tournaments, I said that my boy Muhammad Ali Abdur Rahman is going to be their uh, uh, you know shoot, saving grace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're 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 saving grace from three, and he's shooting one of twelve from outside the God, arc. it's atrocious. Seven of twenty six, and, and and not to mention uh, Wagner, it hasn't showed up yet. Yeah. So this is a. Very uh, struggling Michigan team running into a hot a You think about it, um, Montana, screw Montana. They, that was a win no matter what. Now when they played Houston, Houston's not even that great of a team. Houston played great. Should have won that game. Should have won the game if it weren't for Jordan Poole. By the way, Jordan Poole, everyone was tweeting Jordan Peele and said, congratulations. Jordan Peele came back and said, thanks, I've been working on my game. So, yeah, that's... Um, listen, Texas A&M is number two in the nation in rebounding. They have the best, in my eyes, in my eyes, one of the best rebounders in Tyler Davis. I don't think Wagner, Wagner can keep up with him. I think he's going to get either. foul trouble. I think it's a complete mismatch for yeah. him. And I think that Michigan is going to get exposed in this game. Yes. I think that A&M is not only going to cover, I got A&M winning this game. I have A&M winning this game, but I'm going to I'm, I'm gonna stay away from the money line and pick up my three points when yeah. I can. Um, don't get greedy. Look at this. Look at who they played. Uh Texas A&M, their last seven games versus the Big Ten, they're six and one straight up. They're they're road here. They're flying high because they knocked off Providence. Who in my bracket I had Providence beat them two out of my three brackets that I created. They beat them seventy three to sixty nine. It wasn't even it wasn't even close in the second half. They beat UNC. They put UNC to bed at halftime. Yeah. UNC, I had them in the final four in some brackets. I was high in North Carolina all season. Just very surprised. But it's like you said, man. It's the matchups. I mean, you you mentioned it. Tyler Davis, he's averaging 16 points, 12 boards. 
Uh, Robert Williams, they're big, they're dominant, they have a lot of length and bulk inside. Yeah. It's tough to match and up with. They they are hot at the right time. Hot hot at the right time because uh, they were in the top ten. Yeah. Or you know, way early in the season. season. Yeah. They but went through some injury problems. This is the A and M team. Yeah, that they, we thought we were gonna see. You no, know, they got they got groomed by a strong SEC conference this year. I mean, sure. Battle tested. Sure. Sure. There's only two teams in the SEC that are in the Sweet 16. But what I'm saying is this is the sharpest of the sharp that they have been played all year. And the SEC is not normally like that. Mm-hmm. So it's no surprise that Texas A&M is this far. It's no surprise that I have them winning. All right. Let's go ahead and go to uh, number five, Kentucky. Number nine, Kansas State, who Kansas State has had the easiest road to the Sweet 16 that we've yes. ever seen in the history of college basketball. Godly. And they uh, almost lost. And they almost lost. To a 16 seed. <laughs> Holy crap. That was the, that may have been the ugliest basketball game I've ever seen in my entire life. My God. Uh, to their to their credit, uh, Dean Wade is out uh, with a foot injury. And, and he might be out this game. If Dean Wade is out this game, I, I'm actually going to go ahead and get my bet in after we're done talking about this because it's sitting, still sitting at minus five. Because if they announce Dean Wade's out tomorrow, the line's going to jump to about seven or eight. Mm-hmm. I have Kentucky winning his handedly. I know Barry Brown is really good. Snead is really athletic, and he leads the teams in rebounding. But Kentucky, God, I am in love with Sh- well, I don't even know if you pronounce it. I'm pronouncing it right. Shy or Shea. Gildress Alexander. The star his freshman. His name sounds like the freaking, like he's this god, this Greek god. Like, Shea Gildress Alexander here to report to win the championship. <laughs> and that's what mission he is on. He right now is averaging 18.2 points per game, 5.5 assists per game, 4.8 rebounds per game. But what's the best part about that? He's not out there jacking a bunch of threes, but his field goal percentage is still 57.1. Where does Kentucky get all these great names? Carl Anthony Towns is still one of my favorite (laughs) athlete names ever. I think Calipari wants to get some name kind of like his. Uh The key stat for me, Kansas State turned the ball over 18 times against a 16-seeded UMBC last week. That's just awful. Yeah. Sloppy. Kentucky, in their last 10 games, they're averaging 81 points per game. They're shooting almost 50% from the floor. Better than 43% from beyond the arc. And they're not even taking that many threes. Yes, and you know what's kind of funny about that? Both teams suck at the three. Uh-huh. Kentucky is what, made seven of 21. In- seven threes in the entire <laughs> tournament. We got, we got over here, Kansas State is 34%. Kentucky's 36%. I think this is a complete mismatch. I think Kentucky beats him by 20 this points. Is your, this is a trend that you're going to love right here. Um, Kentucky's covered in nine of the last ten games. They are 6-0 like straight up, and okay. they are 6-0 and against the spread in their last six games as a favorite six points or less. All right. I'm taking this five. Yeah. I'm looking at like my fingers while I'm doing it. Take it all day. All right, Jameis. Let's calm down. <laughs> all right, let's go ahead and uh, go to the last game on Thursday night. Number four, Gonzaga. Beat my Buckeyes. I really don't want to talk about it. Against number nine, Florida State. All right. Uh, Zach Norvell Jr. is playing out of his freaking mind. That kid had 28 points and 12 boards against Ohio State. Could not stop them. Uh, I will say, though, if Gonzaga's going to win this game, they got to get Jonathan Williams going. He's getting into way too much foul trouble. Yeah, he is. Uh, way too much. He's too good. And, I mean, uh, Tilly's got to shoot better. He's, he, well, I think he's 0 for 4 from 3 in the uh, tourney or is his last game, whatever. He's got. He's a way better shooter than that. Killian can ball. Um, you know, I'm still taking Gonzaga here minus 6 because I think uh, the better team didn't win last game, last week when in, you know, in terms of Florida State um, – Florida State versus Xavier, and Gonzaga is a little bit more um, athletic at the key positions, like the bigger positions with uh, with Rumi Hashimura. Um, 
But be, be aware of this 5-12 and 12 against the spread in the last 17 games as a favorite for Gonzaga. Yeah, and I, I like that you brought up that point. Bo both teams have horrible against the spread stats because Florida State is 3-7 and seven against the spread in their last 10 games. However, I'm still going Gonzaga as well, minus 6, um, sticking yes. with them. Florida State, their bench is scoring 61% of their points in the tournament which I know that, that, that you know that tells me that they're deep, but at the same time, I just think Gonzaga is going to outshoot them. Yeah, and okay, if let's, if Gonzaga if Xavier gets three stops, and they don't allow an eighteen to four run to end the game, Xavier wins this game handily. Yeah, sure, and uh, well, but on the other side, you, you could also argue Gonzaga has sixteen to zero lead on Ohio State, and yeah, then Ohio State had a five point lead in the second an half. Easy lead. Is, hard, is easy to blow. It's hard to keep because teams get it, they adjust. A late lead is hard to blow be, unless you start playing conservative because the other team's hungry, they have nothing to lose. And that's what happened to Xavier. Mm -hmm. I think if Gonzaga gets up early, I mean, gets up late, they're cruising. And uh, also, another big factor for me for these last two games, Kentucky and now Gonzaga, it, tournament experience, man. Yeah. Coaching experience. You know, Gonzaga in the Final Four last year. Yeah. Uh, very different team, though. Very different team, uh, absolutely. But we're talking about they're drawing a nine seed in the Sweet Sixteen. I mean, yeah. I'm so I'm 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 going with, I, I, specifically. I'm going with Zach Norvell because I think he can match up on the outside. I don't cool. think he's going to have any trouble getting his points. Really like that. Let's move over to uh, Clemson versus Kansas. Kansas is getting four and a half points. Miles, you have to gonna have to tell me that I'm out of my damn mind. For thinking Clemson has a chance in this game, Clemson's I think I, I think they half, right? Yeah, I think they definitely have a chance. I, I like Kansas to win. I'm picking Clemson to cover, mostly because Kansas burned me because uh, they, they were supposed to beat Seton Hall by five, and and in the last second couldn't cover. Um, also, we're seeing teams shooting 32 percent against Clemson yes. in the tournament. That scares the hell out of me. You know what note I have right here is the first note. It was probably going to be the only note I put for uh, Clemson. It says defense wins championships. They beat Auburn 84 to 53. And let me go ahead and paint this picture for you. Auburn is probably the best three-point shooting team in this entire tournament. And where are they? They're back home getting ready to watch these games in their gym or at their house eating bonbons, sucking on each other's toes. 84 points to 53 points is huge. 31-point victory. And it all stems from defense. And on the other side for Kansas, uh, Devontae Graham has to be better. He had one field goal against Seton Hall. Uh, Malik Newman's playing great basketball, averaging 22 points per game in his last five. Yeah. Um, but there's no doubting that Clemson's defense is going to keep this game close. So, yeah. it, so I'm putting easy money on Clemson plus four and a half. Yeah, I, I think that's good money right here. Uh, wouldn't be a surprise if Kansas blows it out because uh, Clemson could have blown their load against Auburn. But I think it's a close game. I think Kansas gets the job done but it's going to be a two- or three-point victory. All right, let's go ahead and go to the game that I can't wait to watch. Uh, number one-seeded Villanova Holy against crap. number five-seeded Press Virginia. Villanova, uh, six-point favorite in this game. Okay. Yeah, my money's 100% on Villanova minus six. Um, and, and, and it's, like, I think about, and you know I'm big on Javon Carter. I talk about him all the time. Javon Carter has the, one of the best stories. Um, Javon Carter had only one major D1 scholarship offer and it was to press Virginia because Bob Higgins went to a gym and it was an AAU game and he watched one kid press from start to finish. Wasn't that great, but played, he played his guts out and Bob Huggins said, I want you 
to come to West Virginia. And look what he has created. Javon Carter, 17 points per game, 6.6 .6 assists per game, 4.7 rebounds per game. He is the reason for this very next stat that I'm going to tell you, which is going to blow your mind. Javon Carter and the Press Virginia. On 23.4% of possessions that the other team, they're turning the ball over. West Virginia is averaging 20 points per game off turnovers in this tournament. Javon Carter has 11 steals in two games. He's all over the floor. I'm taking West Virginia plus six because even though I like, I still like Nova to win the entire tournament, I think that they're only going to win this game by three or four points. So I think that West Virginia plus six is easy money for me. Now, on the other side, I'm going to argue Nova is shooting point blank from three-point range uh, in the tournament right now, 45%. Yes. Mikael Bridges. Mikael Bridges is the reason. 55 points. Yeah. What, five, six from mm -hmm. three in his uh, last six games is wild. Absolutely. I mean, uh, he's doing – Nova is pretty much the only team in the tournament that is doing exactly what I, what I thought they would do, which is why I think this is their tournament to lose. But I'm telling you right now, this is going to be a huge test for them. I think that the that the full court press is going to kind of throw off their rhythm a little bit. I think West Virginia is going to change up uh, the uh, pace of the game, and I think it's going to be close. I think this is why – this is a bold statement by me. I think it might be like a 15 – Point victory for the Villanova. Why I'm saying this is because I was thinking about, you know, uh, the press from West Virginia, but then you have the, probably my opinion, the player of the year in Jalen Brunson bringing the ball down the court, right? So then they run this, uh, they run the rubber band. The rubber band, if you guys aren't familiar with that, is you have the inbounder come in, then you rubber band back and forth through the press, and you don't trap, you want to bring the ball up the middle. They have one of the most athletic guys who can still handle the ball, Mikhail Bridges. So they bring the rubber band to Mikhail Bridges. The rubber band comes back to the middle of the court. They pass it to the to the wing on the right. Then they pass it back to Jalen Brunson, who brings the ball in the middle. Mikhail Bridges will be le left wide open in the in the corner, and he is not afraid to shoot it. Now Mikhail Bridges shoots that ball five times. He makes two or three of those. Now they're gonna they're gonna cheat back a little bit, and they're gonna bring the trap earlier. So now you bring the trap earlier. Jalen Brunson passes the trap. Jalen Brunson has a wide open three every time, right? They solved that. Now they're going to worry about Jalen Brunson. Jalen Brunson in the front. They got Mikel Bridges in the corner. Now they got the center wide open in the, in the gut. I think they have a great team for that kind of trap, especially if they run to rubber band correctly. Now, with that being said, there's another team who who's very who should handily beat the, the trap, who did not does not do very well against the trap because they always run into the corners, and that's St. Mary's, which is why they're not in the tournament because when they get trapped, they don't run the rubber band correctly. Their guard runs into the corner. Now, if... Jalen Brunson can stay away from doing that. They'll be okay. But if not, I understand where you can see this can be a close game. I think it, it also helps that uh, both teams have a week to prepare. But I'm going to take note of this one. This is the first game that we've disagreed on, which is surprising. Yep. So uh, We'll definitely take note. All right, let's uh, go ahead and come down the stretch here. I think this next one's uh, it's easy for me. We have number two, Duke. Number 11, Syracuse. Um, Syracuse only averages 66 points a game. I don't think they're going to score enough. I've got yeah. Duke easily covering in 11 and a half points. I mean, they beat him by like what? What was it? 14, 26 or 14? Yeah. Well, I I think it was 14. 14. And, it, and it was an off night. Yeah. For Duke, Duke was playing terrible. And like, I mean, just look at these guys. Like, listen to these names I'm about to say because even if you don't watch college basketball, you've heard every single one of these names: Marvin Bagley III, Trevon Duval, Gary Trent Jr., Wendell Carter Jr., Grayson Allen. You've heard all of these names. Bagley is my favorite to win the tournament MVP right now. Yes. Uh, 44 points combined in the first two games. Duke's taking care of business. rebounds per game in the tournament, too. Syracuse is going to be tired. Um, they played a lot of basketball. A lot of basketball. I mean, hell, dude, but they were, oh my, they were so impressive against Michigan State. So it's very difficult for me to pick against them. But you know what, man? The Big Ten's being exposed. And you, the Big Ten's so, being exposed in another thing. I, first of all, 
first of all, I'm going to go ahead. Like, everyone's so surprised about this run they've made. The only game that I'm surprised about is the Michigan State game. Yeah. I'm looking at this Arizona State team. The Pac-12 sucks. The Pac-12 didn't have a single team to make it out of the day one. Now, the Pac-12 had every single team eliminated. Not one team made in the quarterfinal of the freaking NIT. And now this is Arizona State team who was one of the competitive teams in the, in the Pac-12, when I'm talking about record-wise, not like actual playing in games. The TCU is not that great, too. They have a lot of bad losses. Michigan State was the surprise. Yeah. And let's not forget, Syracuse made the Final Four as a number 10 seed two years ago. Yes. So they've been here before. Jim Beheim is definitely one of the best. So are we both in agreement there? Oh, yeah. Duke covers. I'm going to have Duke covers. This All right. I really want to get your thoughts on it. Yeah. I, I, I messaged you earlier, and I wanted to see what your thoughts were because everywhere I look, these experts are – freaking smoking rocks i'm going with purdue minus one and a half versus texas tech i'm going with texas tech plus one and a half over purdue i i dude what was crazy to me and i think i might have listened to too many interviews my thing is i want to listen to these guys speak what did vincent edwards say when they lost isaac Hoss? he said we're not worried about it all we got to do is step our game up no that's all you got to do it's that easy you lose a guy who's seven foot two well, you are replacing him with Matt Harms, who's 7'3". But what did Vincent Edwards do in the, the game against Butler? He went out there and scored 20 points. He's not even he's not Casey Edwards. He shouldn't be scoring that many points. He stepped up when the time mattered. Well, that's why I'm concerned, because Carson Edwards is playing not good right now. He, he shot 4'17 versus Butler. Um, that was a closer game than it should have been. Keenan Evans on the other side for Tech... They're playing like the tech that was in the top 10 earlier this year. Yeah, I get they're, that. They're still playing great beef, uh, defense. Third best adjusted defensive efficiency. Keen Evers is averaging 22.5 points per game in this tournament, shooting better than 54% in his last five games. This team is going, and I just don't think – I think this is where uh, the, uh, losing Haas catches up to Purdue. You know, I want to um, go ahead and highlight this for you because this is one thing that I took – my basketball experience and use this game so losing Haas to them look at all the games Purdue lost what did they do they played into the game plan of their opponents and just fed the ball to Haas what did that do later what did they do later on it clogged up the paint mm -hmm. and now you have guys taking jump shots mm -hmm. out of rhythm talked about this all season yeah so now when the game yeah they trust me they should have beat Butler by more but that's neither here nor there Butler had a great run towards the end now, um, you, you take Haas out of the middle, and all it does is open up the passing lanes. And now they play a wide-open brand of basketball, which actually makes me think they're better without – not saying they're better overall. Mm -hmm. They're better without Haas. And, and Haas wasn't even a great rebounder. I think Matt Harms is a better rebounder than Haas. Oh, Haas is a terrible rebounder. And uh, that's why I'm going with Purdue. I'm going with Purdue, and I'm going to lay this one as well because I think this line will move in uh, Purdue's favor – I mean in Texas Tech's favor. This is another um, game that's kind of a pick em for me because both teams are terrible against the spread. Uh, yeah. Red Raiders, 1-7-1 against the spread in their last nine. Oh, my gosh, that's terrible. Yeah. Boilermakers, 2-12-1 against the spread in their last 15. Yeah. So the Lions haven't favored either team. Um, so, you know, if the line moves, then I might be wanting to change my bet. But as far as right now, if it's sticking to one and a half, I'm going to go with Texas Tech. So you think game. Texas is winning this game? I think Tech's going to win the game, yeah. I think – I, I think, think I think the Big Ten is completely exposed in this tournament. I think Isaac Haas coming out of the game has helped Purdue, and I, I watched it. I was on the freaking golf course at the API, my little doggone janky phone, trying to get as much freaking service as I could to watch this game, and, and I watched enough to 
to, to get glimpses. You know, I didn't watch the, the, the breakdowns when they were looking for Haas, like they normally would, but I watched the game plan and how it opens up the court for them. I just don't agree that it makes them better. It, it makes their game plan, game plan better. I definitely think so. Well, okay, so... Offensive. I, only on the offense. I, I'm not yeah, talking yeah. about the, having, yeah. having Haas out there on the paint, but I mean, like, offensively, it, it opens up... So... I'll give you a quick rundown of my thought on this. So you guys have you have these perimeter shooters with one guy in the middle. You throw the ball into the paint. Now all the focus on these guys is not to cut through the lane to get inside the guy in the paint so the tumble team doesn't come. Yeah. So now they run that out of the paint. The ball comes back out. This guy comes here. This guy comes here and switches over. What I'm, if, 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 if I can't see her now, he's... Okay, I'll he's, uh, better. Yeah. So we have two guys on the baseline. We have two guys... Uh, we have one guy tracing the elbow who's going to be Matt Harms. Matt Harms catches the ball in the elbow, passes the ball back up to the top of the three-point line, gets in position, passes the ball back over to the elbow. So typically... I mean, that's the elbow to the baseline. So typically what would happen, you would have you would have your guys on the baseline not running the baseline because you did not want the double team to come and you didn't want your guys on the corners to come in and come in because that would be the trap. Now, Harms is passing the ball back up to the top from the guy from the baseline, back up top, allows the base, the backside baseline guy to come through. The other guy comes around. Now you guys have a wide open three-pointer if you can swing it to the baseline, or you have a wide open lane right here because two guys right here is on the elbow, drive to the hoop because two guys are potentially stuck in transition of what they're going to do. We should end it on that. Uh, well, I mean, uh, but, but before we do that, let, let's go ahead and uh, do our final four predictions. Okay. Uh, you know, because we're going to miss the Elite Eight. The Elite Eight is going to be Saturday and Sunday. Uh, Do it region so, by region. Oh, I go, you go first, I go right. first. I go second. South division, south region. All right, I'm going to go ahead and uh, go with Kentucky there. Okay, Kentucky, what do you got for the East? East, I'm going to go Nova. Nova. Midwest, I got Duke. Duke. Oh, come on. West, I've got... You know, for the West, Don't say it. I'm going to go A&M. Okay, I got Gonzaga. <laughs> All right. God, I thought we were going the whole way. I was like, my God, this is going to be whack. <laughs> well, Miles, great episode, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to send us an email at bestthehouse uh, at gmail.com with your mailbag questions, or you can find us on Facebook at bestthehouse or on Twitter at bestthehouse. We currently are running a $20 Amazon gift card, so go on our Twitter and find it. Best of luck to you guys. Be sure to like, subscribe, and download on iTunes or however you guys get your podcast. Enjoy the madness. Thanks for listening. See you next week.